Good day, and welcome back. Or for any first-time listeners, welcome to Making It Work. A show about doing what you can, with what you have, where you're at. In this show, we use personal stories of how people achieved their goals, no matter how big or small, by making it work with what they had at the time, and growing from there. Think Bob Ross meets Bob the Builder, where happy little accidents meets the yes we can attitude. I'm your host, Michael Pluhacek. Father, husband, service member, firefighter, small business owner, and tinkerer. So before we dig into today's topic, if it's your thing to pray, um, my mother's in the hospital right now, and I got a couple of buddies and family members uh, over in the Middle East, and... I'm sure there's a lot of you out there having the same problems, so please be mindful of others and send your prayers their way if you can. Today we're going to talk about something uncomfortable. Hopefully you'll enjoy the irony here and the punny humor, because today's episode is all about uncomfortable. Why is that, you ask? Because if we're really going after those goals that have been haunting us, chances are we haven't achieved them yet because we're too comfortable. You heard me. One of the main reasons, if not the main reason, that we don't achieve our goals in life is because we become comfortable in the life we live, and we don't want to disturb the balance, even if we're not entirely happy with our lives. My comfort zone is like a little bubble around me, and I've pushed it in different directions and made it bigger and bigger until these objectives that seemed totally crazy eventually fall within the realm of the possible. Alex Hunold. Now, this name may not be familiar to you, I don't particularly expect it to be, but Alex Hinald is a free solo rock climber. He's set several world records for free climbing, both by speed and by length of climb. Now, mind you, free climbing is literally rock climbing with no ropes or safety gear, and solo means, well, of course, solo. This man literally climbed 2,900 feet vertically in three hours and 56 minutes with no fall protection gear by himself. What's more is his level of dedication to being comfortable with being uncomfortable. He lived in his Ford Ecoline van for a decade in order to travel from climb to climb. He said he didn't particularly enjoy the van lifestyle. He said, it's not like I love living in a car, but I love living in all these places. If I could, like, miraculously teleport a house from place to place, I'd prefer to live in a nice, comfortable house. Alex, along with virtually every other record setter or goal achiever, understands that being uncomfortable is basically a prerequisite for growth and reaching your goals and realizing your dreams. So why is it a universal understanding that you have to dedicate your headspace to being uncomfortable to succeed? Denzel Washington, Matthew McConaughey, Elon Musk, Albert Einstein, Hussein Bolt, and virtually every other scientist, actor, entrepreneur, or performance athlete have been quoted on the importance of being comfortable being uncomfortable. My first exposure to this concept was during cross-country practice in high school when our coach, Coach Nowicki, said these words. And I was the slowest person on the team when the year started. I had joined because I was a bit chunky and needed some structure to get me on track. I tied for dead last out of 200 and something runners in the first meet of the season, 
while the other guy next to me who came in dead last with me, who was easily 40 pounds heavier, started turning his head and throwing up at me. It wasn't until a few days later, looking back, that I understood what this meant. I hadn't pushed myself hard enough. I had always slowed down when it started to hurt. I felt like I was going to throw up, or my legs got tired. I hadn't given it everything. I wasn't okay being uncomfortable. But I never wanted to be that embarrassed again. So I bought in, and I got uncomfortable. I was, and always will be, a slow runner, but my first 5K was around 36 minutes, if I'm remembering correctly. That's roughly a 12-minute mile. By the end of the year, I would run a 24-minute 5K and a 6-minute mile on the track. I also lost the weight I wanted, started lifting in the gym, and no longer had the desire to run like that. But I never lost the lesson. My oldest brother, Chris, was a professional powerlifter and bodybuilder for over a decade. Absolute beast of a man and the living embodiment of tough love. So when I needed some advice and motivation on getting uncomfortable to reach physical goals, he was definitely my go-to. My father achieved a great deal professionally and in his personal finances, so I always tried to glean what wisdom I could by listening to his stories. I learned that immediate gratification is the downfall of long-term success, and delayed gratification will always pay off down the road. Like Albert Einstein said, compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. But you know what? I still messed up. I put on unhealthy weight from time to time, and I wrecked my credit for a period of time in my early adulthood, and I had to do some hard work to fix things. Tough workouts, strict diets, calling creditors, working out extra payoffs. But that led to buying a house, recovering from injuries, setting new personal records, buying another house, starting a business, and so much more. The thing is, Words and stories aren't always enough to get through to you. We love to learn from the mistakes of others, but sometimes you will have to suffer the discomfort of your own mistakes. And when you do, you'll either find yourself comfortable and content in the way things are now, even if it's not what you want, or you'll have to leave your comfort zone and forge your own path to get out of your rut. Everything in life has a certain level of discomfort to it. Being fat is uncomfortable. Being too weak is uncomfortable. Being broke is uncomfortable, and you get the point. So how do we make ourselves okay with being uncomfortable in the short term to reap long-term benefits? How do we rewire our brains and our expectations so that it's easier to say no to that donut or say no to spending money going out to eat or say no to a $700 a month car payment? We know that we have these desires to be fit, to look good in that outfit, to retire early, or even just to be able to take a vacation once a year. But how? How do we stop ourselves from giving in to the widespread and common cycle of immediate gratification? That's a great question with some simple answers. But as I always like to say, simple doesn't mean easy. It just means it's not complicated, and it's something every single human has the ability to do. In my experience, there are three major things we need to keep in mind if we're going to allow ourselves to be uncomfortable. First, we need to realize and believe that small, incremental success is great progress. Like we talked about in episode 2, setting specific, achievable goals and celebrating those small wins can help you get the motivation and the courage to take the next step out of your comfort zone. Second, 
we need to drop the distinctly human error of expectations. Expectations like what job you should have, where you should be at in your relationship by now, how you should behave or what you should wear. The psychological toll and mental prison that expectations put on us are enough to keep us locked up in our own comfort zone and distract us from our goals. Lastly, and one of the most devastating mistakes we make, is perception and caring what other people may think about us. All too often, we take a way too high car payment on a car we don't even need to keep up on appearances or try to impress people we don't even care about. We spend too much money or time on clothes or makeup when the people that we care about don't even care about these things. We spend our time, resources, and our mental capacity worrying about the thoughts of others. And there are two things that are ironic about this. The first is that not only do most people not care, but they're so concerned about their own perception and their own stuff that they're not even paying attention to you. They're worried about themselves. But we want to believe we're thought about more than we are by others. And the other thing is that if we are to practice the subtle art of not giving a fuck, and yes, that's me quoting the book by Mark Manson, and focus on our own personal needs and goals first, then the lives around us would become measurably better, and we come to realize that those things we think we need are not what will fulfill us after all. I'm going to touch on this later, but there is a major discrepancy between what we think we want versus what we actually want, and the disconnect there is usually based on the lack of a defined why. Simon Sinek, the author and skills coach, actually has an incredible book on this called Start With Why. I recommend reading it, but if you don't, the premise is that we often make arbitrary goals for ourselves, like, I want to make a million dollars a year by the time I'm 35. But why? And then you come to find out, you actually don't need a million dollars a year. You just want to be financially free, free from debt, maybe be able to take more vacations, or you want more time with your family, or a new car, and so on and so forth. But what if you could get all those things that you want with a $50,000 a year job and a change in lifestyle? Then would your dollar amount matter? This is where the end of the comfort zone is found, and the beginning of discomfort is embraced. When we find our why, the why that is the root of our motivation, we can aim properly, we can make goals, and we can get used to the discomfort until we expand our comfort zone and achieve what we set out to do. So, if we're accustomed to a particular lifestyle or daily routine, how do we forsake this comfort and trick our brains into getting uncomfortable? Well, buckle up, boys and girls, because here's where science meets your behavior meets your emotions. We're going to learn about the Yerkes-Dodson Law, coined in 1907, which focuses on an appropriate zone of arousal for personal growth. Basically, this is the original clinical understanding of what becomes known as the zone of comfort, or the comfort zone. This even ties into Maslow's hierarchy for those of you psychology fans, which, in layman's terms, is a vertical pyramid-type representation of human motivations and our basic human needs, which starts at the foundations, things like psychological needs, physiological needs, such as food, water, warmth, and rest, and then progresses up through safety, security, belongingness, self-esteem, and then the pinnacle at the top, which is actually self-actualization or the achieving of one's goals 
and realizations of their dreams. All right, for this part of the episode, we're going to be using our mind's eye a lot. So for the first part of the Yerkes-Dodson Law, we're going to relate performance to anxiety or stress. I won't tell you to close your eyes, especially if you typically listen to podcasts in your car like me. Please, for the love of God, keep your eyes open. But I want you to really visualize this. Picture a bell curve, which starts small, where your anxiety is low, and your performance is also low. And we find ourselves in a state of boredom or complacency. There is no major attention to the subject of your comfort. But as we give this subject we're wishing to work on more attention and we exert more effort and action towards this subject, our anxiety or our stresses begin to rise. But so does our performance level and our engagement with the subject. This happy medium where we begin to work towards our goals in small steps is the peak of the bell curve where we find optimum performance matching optimum stress levels. When we push too hard or attempt too big of an expansion to our comfort zone, we enter a state of panic and we meet resistance and we find the other end of the bell curve where stress inhibits our desire and mental capacity to enhance our performance. Now keep this bell curve in mind and we're going to relate it to the stages of growth from your comfort zone, through your fear zone, through your learning zone, and into your growth zone. Now for this one, I want you to picture a hazmat incident type zone layout. You have your hot zone, your warm zone, and your cold zone. In this context, the same as a hazmat incident, we don't want to stay in the hot zone. This is our comfort zone at the center. It will stagnate us and prevent us from reaching our goals and realizing our dreams. So what must we do? We have to make it through the warm zone, which is full of other people's opinions that don't matter, the excuses that we project onto ourselves, things like imposter syndrome, and often our lack of self-confidence. This is the hardest zone to get through. But once we ignore all of these things that our brain uses to keep us in our comfort zone, we can reach the learning zone. And this is exactly what it sounds like. This is the zone where all the work gets done. It's where we acquire new skills, hone our existing skills, solve problems, and we extend the boundaries of our old comfort zone. We must constantly push through the fear zone and work in the learning zone if we want to expand our comfort zone big enough to fit our goals inside of it. And if, and when we do this, there's one more zone left, the growth zone. This is the place where we have realized our dreams. Outside of the learning zone, outside of the uncomfortable warm zone, outside of the hot zone, this is where we're living the dreams that we accomplished. So only one thing left to do at this point, right? We set new goals, drop back into our learning zone, and repeat. And do that cliche thing you hear in every motivational speech or interview of a successful person and achieve things that you never thought possible in your wildest dreams. It's not easy, but it's simple. Dedication and discipline are absolutely essential and non-negotiable in this journey. But if you have the grit and perseverance to stay committed, even when your motivation doesn't always show up, 
then you'll find yourself in the growth zone time and time again. Well, it's incredibly hard to pick just one speech on this topic, I'll admit. But I'll leave you with these words from Denzel Washington on getting out of your comfort zone and falling forward. I found that nothing in life is worthwhile unless you take risks. Nothing. Nelson Mandela said, there is no passion to be found playing small and settling for a life that's less than the one you're capable of living. Now, I'm sure in your experiences in school and applying to college and picking your major and deciding what you want to do with life, I'm sure people have told you to make sure you have something to fall back on. Make sure you got something to fall back on, honey. But I never understood that concept, having something to fall back on. If I'm going to fall, I don't want to fall back on anything except my faith. I want to fall forward. I figure at least this way I'll see what I'm going to hit. Fall forward. This is what I mean. Reggie Jackson struck out 2,600 times in his career, the most in the history of baseball. But you don't hear about the strikeouts. People remember the home runs. Fall forward. Thomas Edison conducted 1,000 failed experiments. Did you know that? I didn't know that because the 1,001st was the light bulb. Fall forward. Every failed experiment is one step closer to success. You've got to take risks, and I'm sure you've probably heard that before, but I want to talk to you about why that's so important. I got three reasons, and then you can pick up your iPhones. First, you will fail at some point in your life. Accept it. You will lose. You will embarrass yourself. You will suck at something. There's no doubt about it. Every graduate here today has the training and the talent to succeed. But do you have the guts to fail? Here's my second point about failure. If you don't fail, you're not even trying. I'll say it again. If you don't fail, you're not even trying. My wife told me this great expression. To get something you never had, you have to do something you never did. Les Browns, a motivational speaker, he made an analogy about this. He says, imagine you're on your deathbed, and standing around your deathbed are the ghosts representing your unfulfilled potential. The ghost of the ideas you never acted on. The ghost of the talents you didn't use. And they're standing around your bed, angry, disappointed and upset. They say, we, we came to you because you could have brought us to life, they say. And now we have to go to the grave together. So I ask you today, how many ghosts are going to be around your bed when your time comes? You've, invest, you, you've invested a lot in your education and people have invested in you. And let me tell you, the world needs your talents, man, does it ever. So the question is, what are you going to do with what you have? I'm not talking about how much you have. Some of you are business majors. Some of you are theologians, nurses, sociologists. Some of you have money. Some of you have patience. Some of you have kindness. Some of you have love. Some of you have the gift of long-suffering. Whatever it is, whatever your gift is, what are you going to do with what you have? All right, now here's my last point about failure. 
Sometimes it's the best way to figure out where you're going. Your life will never be a straight path. I was 20 years old. I was at my lowest point. Later that summer, while working as a counselor at a YMCA camp in Connecticut, we put on a talent show for the campers. And after the show, another counselor came up to me and asked, have you ever thought about acting? You're good at that. So when I got back to Fordham that fall, I got in and I changed my major once again for the last time. Taking risk is not just about going for a job. It's also about knowing what you know and what you don't know. It's about being open to people and to ideas. And I can't think of a better message as we send you off today. To not only take risks, but to be open to life, to accept new views, and to be open to new opinions. To be willing to speak at a commencement at one of the best, country, best universities in the country, even though you're scared stiff. While it may be frightening, it will also be rewarding. Because the chances you take, the people you meet, the people you love, the faith that you have, that's what's going to define you. Never be discouraged. Never hold back. Give everything you got. And when you fall throughout life, and maybe even tonight after a few mini glasses of champagne, remember this. Fall forward. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Making It Work. If you know anyone else who may benefit from this, please do share. There's no more powerful way to build a community than by word of mouth from a trusted friend. If you'd like to support this podcast and the educational videos on YouTube, please feel free to visit and support us through Patreon at patreon.com slash one better. That's patreon.com forward slash the number one better even small donations or monthly subscriptions will allow us to spend less time building or fixing things and more time showing you guys how to thank you for listening to today's episode be humble and stay hungry